Welcome back to another exciting episode of the True Tone Podcast, a show where I interview interesting people that have true conversation and we talk about their life and tone. I'm your host, Amante Hall. On this episode, I talked to Cheryl Fritz. She is a founder of Inside Out Training and Equipping School, a place where she helps people deepen their faith. Today, I want to talk to her about dreams and some other areas that she's an expert in. Also, I have guest Lewis, and he'll be joining us soon. This is his second time being on the show. You guys stick around. I'll see you guys on the other side. Okay, and we're back. I hope you guys are doing good today. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be here. A little bumpy, but we got the tracks going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So um, I'm just want to thank you for coming today. I'm really excited to have you, and you know, you you're doing some very interesting stuff. And I don't want to belittle that, but you're doing big things, and uh, it's it's really cool, and it's it's exciting. I want to talk about. It. I want to talk about some of the stuff you're into. So. You are a founder. You 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 leaped out. You started your own thing. Can you talk about what that was like? You give us a little background of why you started it. Sure. So um, so Inside Out is actually a school of supernatural ministry. And years ago, I was um, I was at a way different place in my journey. I wasn't activated in anything supernatural, healing, deliverance, prophecy, any any of the stuff. Uh, I believed in it. I saw it all throughout the pages of scripture. I knew it was real. I knew it was legit, but nobody that I knew was moving in any of it. And, uh, you know, I started to get frustrated because I had this book knowledge with no practical experience. And I didn't feel like I knew anybody that could mentor me, mm-hmm. show me the ropes, teach me anything um, about how to, you know, get from here to there from like just knowing some stuff to actually being being able to do do some things because jesus said the things he did Mm -hmm. we would do also in greater works would we do so um so god started taking me on this journey i was invited to a conference it was a a prophetic woman's conference and you know i didn't really even understand a whole lot about anything along those lines at that time Uh, i was basically just invited to do the the photos because i was a photographer at the time wow so i went there and um I also went there with anticipation because I wanted to get into ministry. I, I you know, I love God. I was passionate. I was excited, but I didn't want to just do that without 
knowing that that was what God had for my life. So I went to this conference with the expectation that God was going to speak through somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. and and give me this, this answer that I've been searching for, you know, going close to two years. And so I went to this conference and the first day came and went and nobody really approached me or spoke into my life or, or anything. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's a three day conference. I'm just going to write it out. I'm sure that God's going to speak before the conference is over. So did you go by yourself? I did. Okay. I did. And so the second day came and went. Nobody really spoke anything over me. And so I was like kind of getting a little nervous and frustrated, but I knew I had one more day. So the third day came and again, nobody said anything to me about anything. So I'm driving home from this conference Mm -hmm. mad, like (laughs) mad, mad at God, frustrated, uh, just kind of fussing in my spirit. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I heard him speak to me. While I was driving home, I heard him speak more clearly than I have ever heard him speak. He spoke spirit to spirit, thought to thought, heart to heart. But it was as if he was sitting there right in the car. I actually pulled over on the side of the road. I got a, a napkin out of the glove box and a pen. Actually, I don't think I even had a pen. I think I had like a, a eyeliner or something like that. But it was, I never wanted to forget what he said. He said, Cheryl... The churches that are going to require you to have a license to speak in their pulpits are going to be the same churches that are not going to be able to receive the mm. messages I'm going to have you deliver. So that got kind of like, I, I made peace with the fact that God was take, going to take me off the beaten path. I wasn't going to go to Bible college. I wasn't going to do any of the traditional things that people do. Mm-hmm. So after that, um, it was... <laughs> God actually took me to YouTube University. (laughs) He did. I started coming across all of these people on Facebook that were actually moving effectively in the supernatural things of the kingdom. And I would literally sit there for hours on the weekends, just marathon style, watching some of these people. And they weren't pastors. They weren't evangelists. They weren't, you know, any of the traditional things that we look for. These were just normal, average, everyday believers. But they were out there healing the sick, casting out demons, doing things that I wanted to do. Yeah. So, so yeah. how do you, okay. So, cause you said a lot in there. How do you first, first off, like you starting the inside out ministry, right? Yeah. Before you got to that point, were you, were you a skeptic? Were you kind of, I, maybe you were struggling with these. Did you always kind of believe in the supernatural? Did you always believe that, you know, there were angels? Did like, where were you when did you have that? Was did you grow up in church? Like how how did that all come to be? I grew up in really conservative conservative cessationist denominations that didn't really believe that that God did in any of those things anymore. Um, you know, I always had a really passionate love of God, um, and it wasn't until I married my husband and we were kind of we were both just sort of lukewarm at best in our yeah. relationship with God at that time. So mm-hmm. so we decided we wanted to, you know, just reignite our relationship with the Lord. So we started going to church and it was a spirit-filled congregation and um and so that's where I started to get exposed to the supernatural things yeah. of God. But again, nobody was moving in it. We were just learning about it. Mm-hmm. I was hearing it for the first time. So so yeah, that's when I started to get really curious and and i don't really know the logistics of how that all works like you know does god just zap you into that (laughs) stuff or uh can you learn some things it it was like 
completely mysterious to me. Were you ever, because I feel like people hear that and they're probably like, what is going on? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because at, let's be honest, this, it's scary or not scary. It is abnormal. It's not usual. And particularly because we've created a society and culture where we kind of ignore the spiritual. We just deal with flesh. Uh-huh. You just deal with medical or, hey, I'm having this problem. Here's some medicine. But sometimes there's things that need to be healed that can't be answered by medicine or our common practice. And I think people overlook that. Have you ever been a doubter? Have you ever doubted like a lot like you're in your journey with some of the stuff? Well, you know, since I was raised in such conservative denominations where I wasn't really seeing anybody move Mm -hmm. in anything ever, uh, there was a lot of doubt. And um, there was a lot of skepticism and I would see people doing different things and I would question it. And a lot of times I would reject it. Mm -hmm. And then a a period of time would pass by and it was like God would tap me on the shoulder and he'd be like, "Um, that was me. You know, I I was in that. And and yeah, you didn't receive it, but that was me. So when God is speaking to you, I'm asking your particular experience. Is it a voice? Is it? like an audio voice is it your voice is it how does god like speak to you well we all hear different voices Mm -hmm. in our thoughts we hear Mm -hmm. god's voice we hear our own voice we hear the voice of the enemy so it was learning to discern the difference and uh, when he speaks to me uh god you know if you look at the pages of scripture different times god would audibly speak to people that's not the way that he typically speaks to people i've never heard the audible voice of god i know people who have but i've never heard the audible voice of god when he speaks to me it's like more of a spirit to spirit heart to heart Mm -hmm. thought to thought kind of thing and you have to just kind of the words come to you like they like kind of i don't know you you remember the what was that the eight ball thing you would shake and ask a question yeah and it would float up Mm -hmm. with the words is it like kind of like that almost like it kind of I don't know why I just thought of that for some reason. It's it's sort of like a subtle impression that'll mm. just kind of come to you in your thoughts. That has to be freaky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or at least it it takes adjustment period probably. I don't think it's so much freaky. I think it's um just learning to become more sensitized to it and and yeah. expect that he is going to have conversations with us and he is going to engage with us. Um you know as we draw close to him, he does draw close to us. So uh, it's more of an expectation. So you had this journey. You went to, it was like a festival or? It was a conference. It was a conference. Was it outside? No, it was inside. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was outside. <laughs> like, you see, you know, I, like, people kind of imagine all things right. in the story. But so you went to this conference. No one talked to you. Um, no one gave you a word right? Right, right and that's what you were wanting yeah and then you were in your car you pulled over and you got a word and you wrote it on a napkin mm-hmm. and what where when you're doing that like how do you you just kind of know you just stop like you're not questioning nothing it's like a it's like a flow to it right no i do question a okay. lot okay like, like that time see sometimes when god speaks it'll be just <sighs> It'll be more, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? 
dominant. You'll, you'll pick up on it yeah. more than other times. Sometimes it's really subtle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's sort of somewhere in the middle. And yeah. then other times you don't even question it. You're just like, yeah, I know that was God. Hmm. When So you started your foundation inside out and then you've had over like 13,000 people come to your classes and stuff. What is that like? Is Does that get overwhelming to have so many different people like fluctuating in and out? Well, it's funny because early on, um, it's like we go through waves. You know, people will come, they'll take our classes for, you know, six months, a year, however long, and, and then and then we won't see them for a while. Sometimes maybe years later, they'll come back and start taking some more classes. And uh, I used to grieve, like, like we, we recruit from within, like yeah. our training team, we, we look for like, um, there are so- certain things that we look for because it takes a team of people. I can't just do it by, by myself. Yeah. And so when we, when I would recruit team members, they would be like family to me. And then when they would go on to other assignments, um, uh, I would take it personal. It would kind of hurt my feelings, but God, God had to show me early on, you don't get to keep them. <laughs> you know, they're oh, not, yeah, when they're they not leave yours. And, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I'm just letting you borrow them for a moment yeah. so that you can, so that they can learn a few things, get mm-hmm. some experiences and and then I can, you know, do whatever, whatever else it is that I want to do with them. Mm-hmm. So you're like, a you're like professor X. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, that's a compliment by the way. It's not, <laughs> I mean, cause you're dealing, it's not common. Like people, they genuinely cut that side out. People genuinely do not acknowledge the spiritual side, which I think it's real. I think there's some things people need to understand and they get confused by. Um, I think most of us, if we were to like do an overview of our entire life and ask ourselves, have we ever had a supernatural experience? Probably mm-hmm. most of us would, would say, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. If they were being honest and they weren't like trying to hide or prove it's not real. Yeah. Um, do you ever get excited and, you know, nervous when you're about to speak to a class? You know, it's crazy because I'm like um, 10 years in now and I still get butterflies sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't yeah. always happen, but it usually does. Like, especially the first five minutes, uh, I talk too fast. I, I say, um, all the time. And uh, but it feels real, though. Yeah. It's like they're yeah. human. Yeah, after after the first five minutes, I seem to settle in. But yeah, it can be awkward, and I don't know. I don't know why that is. Still, like ten years in. So you said YouTube University was your your residence for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So how do you cipher through like BS or what's good, what's bad? Like, how did you cipher through that? Well, it was like early on, I started to come across, and I, I call it um, like divine encounters. I feel like the, the, like God specifically led me to certain people that I saw on mm-hmm. YouTube and they were solid people. Like yeah. they were at the top of their game. And um then when I would watch their videos, I would hear them reference other people and it was so so because I had so much confidence in certain people when they would mention somebody, I would, you know, have a certain I would be able to settle in mm-hmm. and and just sort of know if they were going to be flaky or if it was going to be like something legit and worthwhile and worth investing my time in and listening to this next person. Do you do you ever call like because uh, I don't you don't feel like a very confrontational person. No, not you don't at feel all. like a drag you out in the street, let everybody slap you a couple of times like you don't seem like that type of person. 
when you come across someone who you feel isn't demonstrating the right way, how do you deal with that? Do you are do you do you take a more private stance? Do you pray about it, or do you do you have, have you ever gone to someone directly and be like, hey, you're you're speaking like false things and you're not doing the right way? Like, have you ever come across that? Because I'm sure if you're on YouTube, like you've seen some people are like, oh, they're they're doing a lot of they're hurting a lot of people by misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, I would probably take it in a different direction mm-hmm. when I see false teaching. Uh, rather than specifically addressing that person, I'll just begin to write my own class where where I uh, offer like alternative. Yeah, yeah, you know, listen, that was a, a bar, <laughs> and the reason why it was a bar because I feel like right now people would just want to go cancel that person. But you're saying I want to make a parallel, but I want to make a positive, so I'll go create my own to kind of combat that. That's that. I think that's rare. Like I, that's actually encouraging because I feel like most people would try to tear that down or they wouldn't think like, well, let me go make my own thing. They would just kind of stop there. So that's that's really encouraging to hear. Who's someone that you admire in your field? Uh, there are so many. Uh, I think Curry Blake is probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. He's been around for quite some, some time. And as far as teaching on healing, I feel like he has the gold standard. Um, there are others, you know, it's like everybody sort of has their thing. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain people that are stronger in different things. So there's a lot of different people that I listen to. Uh, I really like Jeff Randall. He's got a, uh, a school called Unveiled Life. And, uh, yeah, there are countless different people that I can name. Was there, is there anyone like you want to talk to or have you talked to them already? Is there someone you like, I really want to sit down with this person and pick their brain or have you had that yet or? Well, you know, it's been amazing because like I said, I didn't go to Bible college. Mm -hmm. I didn't do any of the traditional things, but most of the people that I've wanted to do ministry with, Uh, God has orchestrated that. He's made that happen and facilitated that to where, you know, different people will get in touch with me and I'll I'll be blessed and fortunate enough to interact with them and do conferences together. And and so, yeah, there's um, there's different people that I'd like to meet, but most of them, most of them I've already met. Is there is there a phrase or statement that you say to yourself? Maybe it's you got this or is there something that you usually Maybe maybe you're wrestling with something like, is there something like that? Uh, I think the one thing that you probably hear me say a lot in class, and and I kind of got this from Curry Blake, but it really stuck with me. He says you have to start somewhere in order to get somewhere, and that's always been like um, one of my key go to phrases because people uh, often, especially when it pertains to the supernatural things of the kingdom, they find it intimidating, yeah. and they will compare themselves to other people. And, and because of that, it's just like uh, paralysis by analysis. Rather mm-hmm. than doing something, they'll, they'll just kind of get frozen and, and not do anything. Okay, let's let's get into some, some of the stuff, the reason why I brought you here. So <laughs> let's talk about dreams and visions a little bit. Okay. Um, so there are, and we're using the Bible as a context because we're both believers and, you know, I that's what I wanted. I use that lens to filter things through. So in the Bible, there's 21 dreams noted in the bible um what are your what are your first thoughts on dreamings what's what's been your experience with dreams 
Well, I think one of the important things to remember is that we literally sleep one third of our life. If we live 30 years, we've slept for 10 years. And that's, that's huge. I don't want to, I don't want to waste that amount of time. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I can, um, if I can have productive things happen while I'm sleeping, I, I want that to happen. I want to engage with God. I want to hear from him. And I know that when I'm sleeping, that is when, you know, my, my body, I don't have to attend to it. I don't have yeah. to, I don't have to eat. I don't have to, you know, worry about all the different things that we we're constantly attending to our body all mm-hmm. day long, every day. Maybe we've got to adjust the temperature. Maybe we've got to do this get our exercise, do all those things. When we're sleeping, that's not even a thing anymore. So, you know, we're we're a body, we're a soul, we're a spirit. And at night when we're sleeping, that's when our spirit, our spirit doesn't need to sleep. It doesn't need rest. So it's like wide awake, on full alert. And we can learn to mm-hmm. engage with God all those different hours. That's like most of us sleep like, six to eight hours a night. So that's six to eight (laughs) hours where we can actually be doing something of value, something productive. You know, our body, it's getting, uh, it's, it's getting renewed. It's, it's getting the sleep that it needs, uh, so that it can restore itself. But, but our spirit can actually be engaging as well. Do you think, cause there's, there's a ton with drink. There's a ton. There's a lot of theories. There's a lot of, there is some stuff that I would not approve you know, with dreaming. Um, do you think people have control over that? Like, do you think someone can control their dreams? I think we can be more intentional about expecting to dream. Uh, a lot of times there are different things that we can do in order to sort of build that momentum. For example, one of the things that I'll sometimes, I don't do it all the time. It's not like a rigid, I have to do this kind of thing, but, um, but before I go to sleep, I'll go to sleep with the expectation that I am going to dream that night. And so I'll keep a journal by my bed. Mm-hmm. And I have already sort of made up my mind ahead of time that if I do have a dream, I'm going to write down as much as I can possibly remember from that dream. Not every dream is like uh, a prophetic dream or yeah. anything like that. Sometimes they're just soulish dreams. Sometimes they're nightmares. They're not even from our own spirit. They're not from God. It's just an attack. Uh, but what is a what is a prophetic dream if you don't mind okay so god will engage with us uh at different times he'll 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 want to speak to us mm-hmm. in the form of dreams so when we make ourselves available to receive that kind of information the bible says god speaks but man does not perceive like he's speaking mm-hmm. to us all day long every day every last one of us he's yeah. he's speaking he's talking but again it says god speaks but man does not perceive in a dream in a vision of the night while men are slumbering in their beds he seals up their instruction to keep them from pride so he does talk to us and um when we begin to expect for those conversations. I say a dream is an invitation into a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some dreams are going to be symbolic. Some of them are just going to be literal. Most of them are going to be symbolic. But when we start to get those dreams, God's inviting us into a conversation with him. He wants us to unpackage what he's saying there. And uh, sometimes it's a little bit tricky. Tricky. Sometimes it it's not like something that we can immediately decipher. Mm-hmm. But again, he's inviting us to engage he's inviting us to 
talk to him. Do you think, okay, so there's in the, in the church field, they think like lucid dreaming is sinful. How have you come across that? What are your thoughts on it? You know, honestly, I I don't really know a whole lot about that. So, so I rather. Yeah, I understand. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar, like a lot of people will take drugs and stuff to try to dream. Like Mm -hmm. they'll take exotic drugs, like mushrooms and stuff. Have you come across people trying to talk to you about that ever? I've heard of people doing different things like that. The spirit realm can be accessed legally and it can be accessed illegally, illegally. (laughs) It's like real life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, there's different ways to access it and, and people will have legitimate encounters. Um, but not all of those encounters are, are necessarily even safe. Yeah. I, and the reason why I asked, because I did like a, a poll thing and, these are some of the questions people were asking about. Let me ask you this. So I had someone say they were, they'll, they'll dream, they'll forget the dream and then they'll be doing something and they'll be like, I dreamed about this. Mm-hmm. Have you come across that? Sort of like a deja vu kind yeah, of experience. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, how do you manage that? Like, ha, have you come across that in some of your classes? Do people ask you about that? Yeah, I've read, I've had different people ask about that. I think a deja vu is a lot of times our 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 um, body catching up with our spirit, you know, our spirit. What um, do you mean? Well, let's see how how would I even describe that? Like for instance, a, a few years back, I was in Pennsylvania doing a conference, and and I had brought a couple friends along, and one of my friends, when we walked in the church, he's like, he was he just looked awestruck. He's like, I've been here before. He's like, I've literally been here before. And he had never like physically been there before, but it was like his spirit had gone ahead of him. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, is that, is that spirit, the traveling spirit? Cause I've heard that like when I was researching, there was a phrase that people were using a lot with your class, Mm -hmm. which is the traveling spirit. Okay. Is that what that is? Oh, it's a little bit different. I, I think, well, my first experience with traveling in the spirit, I, I heard different people talking about it before, and I was, I was a little, I didn't really know what to do with it. I didn't yeah. know if that was legit thing. But then I started seeing in scripture, I was like, wow, you know, all these different people travel in the spirit. Philip traveled in the spirit. Uh, Ezekiel traveled in the spirit. Uh, just the uh, the list was long, and so um, hmm. even though I didn't really understand much about it. I wanted it if it was legit. And since I saw it in the word, I knew it was legit. So one day I was driving. I was um, I was going to a friend's church service. It was just like a little startup church. And I wanted to go there and just kind of, um, you know, be there for my friends. And so I was on the highway and I was driving my van. And I, I reached down to pick up a piece of paper mm-hmm. off the floor and when I look back up, I was five cities over. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. So, but wait, so explain it. So, and not trying to be offensive, you were not taking any medicine or any. No. Okay. <laughs> no. So, so <laughs> you dropped a piece of paper, you picked it up and you were five. How did you know you were like, how did you know you were five cities over? Because of the off, the off ramps. I, I had started, I was like, uh, let's see. I, I lived in Euclid at the time. I was driving toward Wycliffe, so I was like somewhere in between Euclid and Wycliffe on mm-hmm. the highway. When I looked up from picking up that piece of paper, the next exit ramp was Painesville. 
So, okay, let me ask you this. What were you, th- were you like, what's going on? Because <laughs> you're pretty calm. Like, I would have been, hey. <laughs> I immediately took the next exit, like the first exit. I told, I pulled over. My heart was beat. My heart racing. was racing. I was, I was, but at the same time, I knew what happened. I, I don't know how I knew, but I just had this knowing that it was God and that I had just traveled in the spirit. So I pulled over and I was thinking, okay, this was for a reason. Yeah. I don't know what the reason is. I must be here for some kind of assignment. Yeah. So I just sat there listening, expecting that God was going to tell me, you know, what this was all about. Yeah. And um, after a few minutes, I heard him just kind of speaking to my thoughts. He said, I just wanted to show you it was available. He's like, I just want I just want to make some stuff. I want to <laughs> mess with you, Lou. Like I would have been, yeah, I'd have been screaming. I'd call my mom. <laughs> so since so, then, I've experienced that different times, but never to that extreme. Yeah. But yeah, that's sort of like traveling in the spirit. And you're so chill about it. Like you're. I mean, this is this is stuff that I feel like people would have a hard time grasping. But then on the other hand, I think people are experiencing this and they don't have anyone to talk to. And that's, that's even worse. Cause then you feel weird. You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, now that podcasts and YouTube and all these different things, now that, you know, these things are sort of a thing, people are talking about it more. Whereas before you wouldn't have rubbed two words together about something like that because people would have looked at you like you were crazy and you're lying and that's not real. That doesn't happen. Yeah. You're just, that's just flaky. So I, when, when I met you, it was at Lewis's birthday celebration and he was telling me he, he always, cause I would, I, I would dream a lot. I have a lot of crazy dreams. I'm very fascinated the Bible's fascinating outside of if anyone's not a Christian or a Christian, it's just fascinating. Like what this, this happened. Dude's walking on water. Jesus, this guy's walking on water. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's fascinating. So when I would have a lot of dreams, which I thought it was common in my, with my family, cause we dream all the time. My mom will warn me about stuff. It's, it's upsetting, <laughs> like, but uh, she'll warn me about things, but it was just a common thing. And then, as I got older, I realized that that's not common in people's lives, in their families. Um, and then I would come across different individuals. So sometimes I'll, I would let Lewis know, like, hey, bro, like, what do you think this means? I had this dream, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, dude, you need to come meet Cheryl. And I was like, eh, just because I've had experiences with people who were extremely off. And I felt not uncomfortable I guess the word is discernment. Like I could tell they weren't legit. Mm-hmm. So before I knew you, I was like, I don't know. I kind of put you with that. But then when I saw you at um, the dinner, I could see, oh, okay. It's something weird. Like when you can be in someone's presence, it, you can almost tell that there's truth there. And sometimes you can say, okay, maybe I was right. But I, th- I was definitely wrong about you. And I had, I was like, okay, let me try this out. So I sent you a dream and you interpreted it. And I was like, this was right. And yeah, it took me a while with yeah. that. I remember I got, <laughs> I, re- I got your message Yeah, and I sat on that for a while because it wasn't coming to me right away. Yeah. But my dreams are like that. So my question for you is, why do you think they're not 
easy to interpret it for the person. Like even in the Bible, the Pharaoh couldn't interpret his dreams. Other layman people couldn't interpret their dreams. They had to have someone. Why, why can't it just be like me and you? Like I'm talking, you answer, and then we're good. We're clear. Why does it have to be this mystical kind of journey? I got to <laughs> figure it out. You know, why isn't it more concrete, I guess? I think part of the thing with um, with the conversations that God has through us through, with, with dreams, or at least the invitations in the conversations, a lot of times we don't respond to the invitation, but uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that God loves the process. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a scripture that talks about how it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. So, <laughs> <It's a bar. laughs> so it's actually to our advantage to walk through the process because he doesn't want to just, he wants us, he wants us to have our questions answered, but he wants to build intimacy in the process. Wow. And relationship. So you have, he wants you to want it essentially. He wants you to go seek those things out. It's sort of like, you know, especially in the New Testament, Jesus would speak things in parables, yeah. like hidden mysteries. And the thing about that is like for believers, the hiddenness isn't, he's not hiding things from us. He's hiding things for us. And he mm. wants us to understand the value of what's hidden enough to seek it out. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Okay. So I want to, I want to ask you about this. I don't know if it's traveling in spirit, but I was at work. I was on lunch. I had probably been working, I don't know, multiple 12-hour shifts. So I get into my car. That's kind of like the hiding place. Like You just ah, relax. You don't want to be around nobody. So I kind of like doze off. and But I'm still conscious. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm still fully like. Sort of like that twilight sleep where you're half awake, half asleep. I just kind of closed my eyes. I was reading this book. Um, I think it was on breathing techniques it's Mm -hmm. a fighter like ufc fighter okay a legend the gracies i was reading that book and i kind of closed my eyes and and leaned back and then like a split of a second it was like something tore open so around it was like kind of a back black backdrop and i walked up behind a father and it looked like it was his son but they were in egyptian uniform Mm -hmm. like they didn't have a shirt on they had a lot of jewelry even the little boy had like gold they, they, they were decked out and i knew i wasn't i was like i wonder if they know i'm here because that, when that happened the little boy turned around and said what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here and then the dad didn't never he never turned around he just looked at his son and said hey don't pay attention to that focus on me keep moving forward and the boy is like but dad he's here he's not supposed to be here he's looking at us and i freak out i'm like what is going on? So I, I start walking closer to them and I'm awake. Cause I can hear cars going by and I'm like, this is wild. And so I, I, I heard them talking and he's like, sometimes people come and they're around, but it doesn't mean we pay attention. And he's like, but he looks different than us. And I was like, what? I was, I was like, can they see the clothes that I have on? So I got, there was a point where I got too close and then the dad turned around and he acknowledged me and he said, go back. And he, I literally woke up and I was in the car again. So I got up. I was like, I called Lewis. I was like, bro, this is insane. And I saw like, I saw a pyramid. I saw, um, they didn't wear, they it looked like sandals, but 
I want to say the boy didn't have sandals. He was just kind of walking on sand with his father. And it was hot, too. I could see the sun. And I remember waking up, and I was like, this is insane. But it didn't, it didn't feel like I woke up. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Is that, like, a traveling in this, like, that is an example of that? That does sound like a traveling in the spirit kind of situation. I, I remember one time uh, I was teaching this class on Zoom, and uh, one of the students said to me, he's like, I saw you the other day. And this is a student that, <laughs> this is a student that lives in Africa. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you didn't see me. He's like, no, I saw you the other day. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't me. You live in Africa. I live in the United <laughs> States. He's like, no. He's like, I, I come to all your classes. I listen to you on Zoom. Um, I, I've seen your YouTube videos. This was you. And, and and then it kind of hit me. Well, maybe maybe it was like a traveling the spirit kind of thing. And so I just kind of heard him out. He's like, "You were standing on the sc- on the street corner. You were passing." Ah, oh, I get choked up just even thinking about it. He said, "You were standing on the street corner, and you were passing out Bibles." He said, "I saw you the other day." Did he say anything that, like details wise? No, he didn't just, really go into detail. He but, didn't go into detail. But he knew that like. When he said that, you were like, I know for a fact that he knows what he's talking about. There was no doubt. Like, Yeah, it was like a knowing. So because, and even me talking about that part, like I didn't know what that was. And I and some people be like, oh, that was just like a crazy psychedelic kind of dream. Are we, is it wrong to do that? Like, like, cause I know I told, like if I told a pastor, they'd be like, oh, that's wrong. That's evil. You shouldn't do that. How do you have control over that, right? Like, what could I have done not to have had that? Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think that there's anything that you could have done not yeah. to have had that. I think sometimes, you know, there are times when when we can engage in something as a faith act. Yeah. And then there are other times when it's just a sovereign act. You know, yeah. God, God initiates it and, you know, it. yeah, it's just on his part. So when you when you do travel, like, you can be kind of limited, right? On um, it's you're you're gaining knowledge from what maybe you know of what you've researched. How do you strengthen that? You know what I mean? Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. What I'm asking, how do you prepare yourself so it doesn't like happen randomly? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, I guess, get yourself to a point where you're comfortable with it? I don't think I do prepare myself so that it doesn't happen randomly. If it happens randomly, yeah, uh, I just understand that. If I'm traveling by the spirit, I'm traveling by the spirit of God. So uh, if he initiated it, then I don't have anything to fear about that. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, like we talked about earlier, can enter into the spirit realm illegally by yeah. the wrong spirit. But um, there are like, like, if you want to choose, like I've never traveled in the spirit physically from one location to another location just as a faith act. I've I've never in and get engaged in that Mm -hmm. and successfully pulled that off but there have been times where i'll choose to travel in spirit um sort of in my thoughts let let me explain that a little bit more so so just recently um well not too not too recently but a while back i was teaching a class on traveling in the spirit and and years ago a friend of mine had posted this it was like a a Facebook post. He put up this Facebook post and he said something to the effect of, you know, if you want to be stretched, 
if you don't want to be stretched, don't read this. And so he was explaining about how a friend of his had a headache and he said to her, you know, they lived in different locations. They weren't anywhere close by. And he said, I'm, well, I'm going to come over and lay hands on you. And so just as a faith act, he chose to just believe that since we're spirit beings, you know, we have a body, but we also have a spirit. And mm-hmm. he's, he's like, I'm just, just, I'm just going to choose to come to where you are and lay hands on you. So she's sitting in her living room and, uh, and he puts her hand, his hand on her head and she got freaked out. She's like, I can feel, what I can feel that. And, and so, um, so he prays for her and, uh, and her headache goes away, but, but she could re- literally like feel his hand touching her head and just different things like that. I know that, that I know that sounds far out, but, um, do you, okay. So let me ask you this. If. People can do that on the good side, right? On the God side. Mm-hmm. Is there, what's stopping people to invading their their space like that? You know, how do, because I'm sure there's evil, right? There's mm-hmm. evil people, that people believe in Satan, and I'm sure people are casting things as well. Like, how do you, how do you stop someone from invading your space like that? Well, you know, as a believer, you're always going to want to do things with integrity mm-hmm. and you know you're, you're always going to want to filter everything that you do or don't do through the lens of the kingdom yeah but on the dark side of things you know people can travel in spirit illegally <laughs> um i guess you're asking how to prevent that like if if somebody doesn't have the right intentions if they don't have the right motives how mm-hmm. do you prevent them from coming into your space is that yeah. what you're asking yeah how do i like for right now we're here how do we mm-hmm. like someone could come to the house right yeah so how do you stop like obviously the easy answer is yeah you could pray but like because I'll, I'll give you an example i'm gonna say what i'm trying to say i know people who will be at home and say there's a presence here do you have you ever had that before like mm-hmm. And it's not welcomed. Yeah. Like, what would you do? So I guess a lot of it has to do with understanding who you are, Mm -hmm. your identity in Christ. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. So once we start to take ownership of that, that's when, you know, if something would choose to present itself Mm -hmm. in front of you, you can take authority over it. You can command it to go, and it has to go. Like years ago, here was the very first time I encountered something like that. So years ago, I was working at the strip clubs. I was not like doing what? <laughs> doing oh 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 okay. Yeah, you was you were yeah. you were experiencing some stuff. I'm in my fifties <laughs> now, but in my twenties, I wasn't walking with God. I had backslidden. I had you know walked far far away from my relationship with the lord Uh, but he never stopped speaking to me i just chose to tune him out even when i was in the darkest places doing god knows what yeah i could still hear his voice but anyway i was i was working in the strip clubs and uh, i was living in an apartment by myself Mm -hmm. and one night i was laying in my bed and i was reading a book and I hadn't fallen asleep yet. I was still reading. And this evil presence came into the room. And it was so tangible and discernible that I could literally feel it. It felt like thick enough to cut with a knife. 
And as I was laying there, I started to feel my body become paralyzed. And within probably 30 seconds, like from head to toe, my whole body was completely paralyzed. I couldn't move anything except my eyes. Mm. And I was panicked. I knew it was something demonic. I didn't really understand much of anything about that kind of stuff at the time, but I knew it was demonic. And so it lasted for a while, probably at least 20 minutes. And then in my my thoughts, I heard God speak to me and he said, say the 23rd Psalm. I didn't. And you knew that by heart? When I was a little girl in vacation Bible school, (laughs) we had to take macaroni noodles in the shape of alphabet letters and, you know, write out the 23rd Psalm. So Mm -hmm. I I remembered bits and pieces of it. I didn't remember the whole thing. So in my thoughts, because I couldn't even speak, but in my thoughts, I started to say that. And as I I did, Mm -hmm. that presence started to lift up off of me and and finally left. But uh, it wasn't until years later when I really began to understand who we are in Christ and the power that that wields and the power that we have over the enemy to command him to leave and and not give access to him. What do you say to people who feel like that was sleep paralysis? Oh, it was sleep paralysis. Yeah. But 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 I wasn't, I wasn't reading a book. Yeah. Yeah, You were reading a book. So your body like, which I think I had just opened up so many opportunities for the enemy because of the lifestyle that I was living. Yeah. um, that I didn't even have to be asleep yet for him to be able to have that kind of access. So while that's happening, because some people, when they say you have sleep paralysis, like you're feeling the weight of your body without leaving your body, right? Um, so at least that's what I've kind of read about it. At least that's what the science tries to explain. When that's happening, like, can you see a figure there? Some people can. I didn't see anything. You just felt the... But the, the presence of evil yeah. was so thick. And, and I hear even people who don't believe in God will tell me that they had like something's like something's off. Something feels I'm feeling something in the room or whatever. Uh I'm just lucky that I grew up my family taught me how to pray. Like I grew up in in the church and but if sometimes it feels like with people who don't believe it seems like they just don't experience none of this. What is your what are your thoughts on that? Like when people they don't experience anything spiritual or people who don't have dreams at all. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What why do you think they experience that? I'm just asking your opinion. I'm I'm not looking for an educated response. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think everybody does dream. A lot of people don't remember their dreams, but again, it's one of those things that we can stir mm-hmm. up in ourselves like like building an expectation and if we have even the smallest little dream begin to get up write down the details and can you re can you ask your question yeah again? do you okay so do you feel like people because they're i think it's a scientific phrase for for people who say they don't dream like i knew someone who said he didn't dream he just sees black and then he wakes up mm-hmm. and do you think they can you're saying that sometimes they forget that they dream. It's possible that they could have had a dream, but they just forgot that they had it. You know, I, I don't know the science behind it, but, yeah. but I do. I feel like everybody dreams. And like you said, I feel like um, a lot of people don't remember their dreams. I'm sh- I, yeah. You know, I, I, as, 
well, you've had you've had plenty of dreams. Yeah, I'm sure. I've, I've and, had a lot. Of and it's like as soon as you as soon as you wake up within me, within seconds, mm-hmm. a lot of time it's completely gone, and you can't even recall you know what what it was that you dreamed about. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know when when people go into that deep mm-hmm. REM sleep. Yeah, that um, that's when our body begins to really pick get up jogging. As far yeah, as dreaming and everything. Because I, I feel I don't know if I, I I don't know if I can answer that question. Oh, it's fair. That's fair. I think that's that's a fair statement. I just find like it interesting because, like, why do we need to dream? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just those are certain things where it's like, why? You know, like, do animals dream? Like, what's the significance in that? And I think they do. You know, yeah. I I used to have a well. I'm I've had plenty of pets, and my dogs. You can tell they're dreaming. They're running. They're yeah. It's so funny. You know, and it it's so detailed. Where that's another example where I'm like, someone thought that an animal would need the dream. Why? What's what's the point of that? I think one of the one of the practical purposes of dreams is that it stirs our creativity. You know, we're not distracted by our cell phones, by all of our different screen time, by all the different things that are pulling on us. We're not stressed. We ha- we we're we've been given this opportunity for six to eight hours to just lean into the, the creative side of our of our spirit and just um just dream just imagine all right so let, let's talk about let's talk about miracles because you you have a big background in that um what do you say to the doubters who doubt dreaming who doubt miracles who doubt traveling in the spirit what what how do you navigate to that and i think earlier you told me a story about being at a church and you could tell people were looking at you and they were in disbelief. How do you navigate that? Well, I would I would want to invite any anybody who who legitimately would really like to know one way or the other if if dreams are real, if well not not so much dreams, but just like um some of these different things that we're talking about. I would invite them to to come to Cleveland, you know, I'll take you out on the streets and you'll see people get healed instantly before your eyes. And, and, and I'll, I'll even kind of like show you the ropes a little bit and have expectation with you that you're going to start to see some things that you haven't seen before. Like, um, I went out a few Thursdays ago. I, I, I go to a church in East Cleveland and on Thursdays, we go out on the streets and just talk to different people. And, and there was this older gentleman. He was sitting in the bus at the bus stop. And uh, the person that I was with asked him, you know, how old he was. And he said he was, I think he said he was like 85 or something. He was getting up there, you know. And, uh, and he asked him if he knew the Lord. And the guy's like, well, you know, I'm not sure. I, 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 I don't know. He said, what's the difference between Jesus and Allah? And so the guy that I was with, he didn't really know how to answer that question. He said, well, you know, if my, if my um, pastor was here, he'd be able to explain all that. And, and I, don't, I don't know if I'm the best person to explain it. And he said, Cheryl, can you explain it? And I was like, well, I can do better than that. I was like, uh, I can introduce you to Jesus right now if you'd like to meet him. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the guy looked at me kind of crazy. And I said, um, do you have any pain in your body? He's like, well, actually, yeah, I have two ribs that, that were just recently broken. And I was like, well, Jesus will fix those right now. And so we ministered healing to him, and then he couldn't find where the pain was. He couldn't find it anymore. I said, that's Jesus. So he was, like, searching while you guys were talking for it? Like, what happened to it? 
Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was like, you know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That that's that's Jesus. So how did how did the conversation go after that with the gentleman? Well, the person that I was with, he kind of spoke to him and, you know, just um, talked to him a little bit more about uh, where he was at in his relationship with God and, mm-hmm. you know, how, how he wanted to respond to that. And he kind of took it in that direction. Wow. And when these things, when you're, when you're, exp- so what is a miracle? Like, what would you, what would you classify as a miracle? Because when I think of a miracle, I think of like an anomaly, like something that isn't common. But you're you're experiencing miracles on a common base, right? You're seeing a lot. Like, how would you determine a miracle? That's a really good question. I think you know different people would probably define it different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like as far as healing goes, uh, a lot of times I would I would classify a miracle more along the lines of something that's instant. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. things are progressive. Sometimes things are instant. Um, you know, I really don't even have like a well thought out answer to that question. I I guess I think of miracles as sort of like the quote unquote bigger stuff. Yeah. 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 Are you familiar with C.S. Lewis? Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. The writer, he's, he's a, he's kind of looked at as a biblical servant and a thought leader and well-respected in the Christian and non-Christian world. And he has, he has some quotes. He says, Nothing can seem extraordinary until you have discovered what is ordinary belief in miracles far from depending on the ignorance of the laws of nature. It is only possible in so far as those laws are known. And he talks about miracles having structure and that, which I think that is a beautiful statement about miracles and how people are always dealing with in their own laws but they're not the true laws and the barriers of which they are occupying and truly happening. And my thought on miracles are is kind of like explorers who do not want to go into the jungle. If you never go in the jungle, you don't know what's there. Right. And if you're not willing to walk into there, you're just always going to be on the outside saying this isn't real, where there are real people experiencing miracles there are people who have and maybe it's a financial miracle maybe you know you hear crazy stories about people getting money in their bank account somebody messed up what was there for three weeks so it must have been sent there or uh people my mom always talks about this experience she had where her car stopped and they were in a very rough neighborhood and she prayed and she was scared i think she was with my cousin and they were supposed to be going i don't know where they were going but she prayed and she said a gentleman pulled up, got out of his car, and she said he wouldn't talk, and he just pointed at the trunk. And she popped the trunk, and he, she's like, he didn't know there was a tire in there. He just, he just pointed, got it, put it on the car, and my mom tried to give him money, and she said when they turned around, he was gone, the car was gone. And my, mom, my mom told me that story, and ever since then, it was just like, whoa, like, yeah, you know and what I mean, was like, an angel. You think so? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And my mom introduced me to the gospel in a unique way. Like, I think children should be introduced to the gospel through worship because I feel like that's way more tangible than words. Like, yeah, you should read to them. But that, like, for me, we grew, I grew up around a lot of music, so it was easier to comprehend that. 
And but one thing my mom always did really well, she liked reading stories to me about angels in the Bible. And I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. I was I don't know why, I just was. And I just feel like with miracles, people can kind of look at it kind of like how they see angels, like, oh, it's not it's not real. But they they're real. <laughs> they're real and people have encounters with it. What do you have some like encounters like that as well? Yeah, I I guess one that comes to mind is like um, years ago, I used to work at um, Burlington, you know, Mm -hmm. the store. And uh, at that time, I felt like God was calling me out of a secular job and and just nudging me more toward ministry. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was really nervous about that, about the financial part of it, because, uh, you know, inside out our classes are free, you know? (laughs) So I was so nervous about that. And you still have to register though to, to get in them, right? Yeah. You have to sign up, but, but they're free. But, uh, anyway, um, I just felt like God kept reminding me, I want you to quit working at this store and I want you to go into full-time ministry. And at the time, you know, my husband was working, but our kids were small and we Mm -hmm. were already, you know, in sort of a financial stressed place. And so I, I woke up one morning and, uh, and I heard God, he said so clearly, he said, if you go into work today, you will work a secular job for the rest of your life. And so I quit that day. And I remember like in the, especially the first two years that followed, it was still, it was like really stressful financially. Cause I was learning to trust God mm-hmm. for finances, but I was try I was, I was, I was focused. I mean, I was intent on learning because I didn't want that to be like something that, you know, years and years later, I was still trying to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. So there were times when I would be down to my last, you know, I would have nothing to pull on, no investments, no money in the bank, no, no credit card available. And I'd be like, look, I didn't call myself into this. You called me into this. And so I'm just going to step out in faith. I'm going to do something that's going to look absolutely insane, absolutely ridiculous, but it's going to work. And so I would, um, you know, if I had a need, I would drive to the bank Mm. and on my way to the bank, knowing I didn't have a nickel in the bank, not one red cent in the bank. I would drive to the bank and on my way to the bank, I would be talking to the ATM machine. I would just be talking out loud. I would be <laughs> saying to the ATM machine, wow. look, you work for me today. You are my employee. I am your supervisor. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And I would pull up to the bank. I would put in my ATM card. And th- this happened multiple times. I would be able to get out $20, $60, a couple times $200. And I know that was, I've seen God do some amazing financial miracles. Like one time I had taken my, my daughter and I, we went overseas. I had some conferences. Uh, I had one in Italy, one in Scotland and one in England. And so we were going to be over there for a while. And we ended up, um, we ended up spending more than we had anticipated. So when I came home, I had actually, we had spent more than, Mm -hmm. than I earned and my husband is amazing. You know, from day one, my husband has always been the kind uh, I get choked up <laughs> thinking about stuff. That's awesome. He's always been the kind of guy. Uh, he's like, I'm not going to stand before God and have him say, why did you hold her back? Yeah. So, so I came home from doing those conferences 
and uh, and I was like in in debt. You know, I there was a, a certain amount of money that I put on the credit card, and uh, and we ran a very tight ship in yeah. our house back when the kids were young. You know, and I knew my husband was going to be asking me for that money, and I didn't have it, so. So that morning came and he's like, hey, you know, I, I need to pay this. Um, do you have this amount of money? And I was like, um, give me about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I sat down on the couch. My husband was upstairs and I'm having a conversation with God. I'm like, look, yeah. again, I didn't call myself into this. You called me into this. This is your bill, not mine. And so I took out the amount of money that I did have. It wasn't like large bills or anything. It was mostly like ones, fives, tens, twenties. And it wasn't sufficient. It wasn't the amount of money that I needed. It was several hundred dollars short. So I counted it. I recounted it. I recounted it. Same amount. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to speak over this. And so I just began to speak over it. I was like, look, you're going to work for me today. <laughs> this is the amount of money that I need. And I just speak to this and I speak for it to be more than enough not just sufficient, but more than enough. And I would just, I just went at that, like for mm -hmm. probably 20 minutes, just speaking over it, just like, honestly trying to build my own faith because I wasn't believing the words that yeah. I was saying. So it took me a while to even start to believe the words that I was saying. Mm -hmm. So I counted it and it was $200 up. So I was like, okay, what Lord. do you mean? Like you had money and then it multiplied in your hand right there. Yeah. What would you be? Okay. <laughs> let me finish let me go finish ahead, ahead, ahead. so so i was like thank you lord i know this is you but this this is a good start but this is not this is not the amount that i need so i i kept at it i, I started speaking over it again and i did that again for about 20 minutes and it multiplied again but again it wasn't not yet the amount that i needed so I went after it again started speaking to it again and about 20 minutes later i counted it again and it was a hundred dollars exceeding the amount that i actually needed <laughs> so wait so did you go upstairs and give it to your husband like how did that go like what was the next step after that i was just sitting on the couch crying <laughs> <laughs> so he came to you he came downstairs and he was like what's wrong with you and he, and he saw all this money well i explained to him what happened you know when i was sitting there on the couch and you know we had decided in our relationship that that's how we were going to live and and you know god came through and he's done that so many different times just working out financial miracles do you because that and here's the thing about that which is why it's interesting in the bible there's over 163 miracles right and people from presidents to layman people believe the bible they profess to be christian but then when they hear stuff like that, they kind of dismiss it. Yeah. I don't think you can ever make somebody believe a miracle. It's like. But how do you like people who that's the thing that's hard for me. How do you profess to be a follower of Christ? But then you disown that part of it. You can't. Because if you believe Christ is real, you believe that he he came back from the dead three days later. Then that means that these 163 miracles are real. And it also means that you're going to come across some miracles. You're going to come across some things that are supernatural. And I guess, why do you think, like, why do you think Christians separate that so much? Is it fear? Is it the reality, like, that they, 
may have to be a little bit more active with their life. Why do you think? Because what you're talking about is what happens in the Bible, where the disciples were feeding what uh, five thousand people or whatever, and they needed fish, and all they had, and the, the quotable is they all they had was these lunchables, some fish and some bread. And I heard this pastor say, Bishop Jakes, one time, he said, "God always uses what you have access to. He uses the resources that you have right there to do the miracle." He never pulls randomness from nowhere. He's like, well, what do you have? Yeah, and it's usually from a place of lack. Yeah. Where it doesn't seem sufficient. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's going to be enough. And that aligns with what you were saying about the money, which I would have been freaking out. Maybe maybe I don't have the faith to, to ask something like that. And I think for others, maybe they, they don't either, and maybe they should start at least trying. And what is the quote is... From the Bible, you have to have faith like a mustard seed. Yeah. Which, that's a very confusing because mustard seed is small. Like, right. it's, it's tiny. Right. So just a little bit can get you wherever you need to go. And well, it's like that you got to start somewhere in order to get somewhere kind of thing. Like, yeah. well, like you know, David took out Goliath, but he didn't start with Goliath. He started with, with the lion, the tiger, and the bear. That sounds scarier <laughs> than a tall dude. <laughs> Doesn't that? Yeah. Uh, that yeah. sounds... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to fight a bear. I'll right. probably just throw some chocolate at him. Right. Hopefully, maybe start with a pit yeah. bull or something smaller than yeah, a bear. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know if I would. But you, you have to be honest about scripture. It is some of it seems insane. Some of it seems wild. Some of it it is wild. And I, the one thing I get upset about with the Bible is it's way more violent than anything that's ever created. It's way more interesting and for some reason they dumb it down with these water they water it down with these lame kind of storylines that it's like why don't you just tell it the way it is so that people can resonate with it because there there are that i mean david and goliath that's a violent kind of encounter you got people around they're cheering they're yelling and which is crazy because there's a lot that came out about a Goliath that he had some type of disease, so he couldn't even see where David was. Have you heard about that? No. Like, no. he had a giant disease. I can't, I don't know if that's the correct term for it, but essentially Goliath couldn't even see David. He had, he was so large that he was slower than David, which would probably make sense. And that he needed people to guide him to fights. And, I can't think of the the writer's name, Michael something, Maxwell or something like that. He he has a book about David and Goliath, and he did all this research, and he talked about that, which that's insane. I don't know how these guys are able to to research, like, biblical characters like that. Yeah, yeah. But he was saying that the fight with David wasn't that fair. Like, David had the upper hand because he was smaller, he he wasn't as large, and he was able to obviously kill David, I mean, kill Goliath, but that's an interesting biblical story, but I don't want to go to, <laughs> I kind of went off track a little bit, but, um, so in regards to miracles, how do you, how do you summarize that for people in class? Like, like what, how do you prepare people for that? I guess sharing testimonies is one of the ways mm-hmm. that we prepare people for, for miracles, because when you start to hear testimonies, it, it, First of all, you're not going to come to a miracle class if you don't have like some anticipation that 
you know, this is something that I want to do someday. You're not going to sign up for that class. So, yeah. so the people that come to that class are coming to the class with the expectation that they want to learn about miracles. Mm-hmm. Not only do they want to learn about miracles, they don't want to just hear testimonies, but they want to uh, have their own personal experiences. So sharing testimonies builds a faith-filled expectation. Um, I know for myself, you know, we've been talking about how the Bible reads kind of crazy sometimes there's some really extreme crazy sounding things in there jesus raised the dead (laughs) yeah and so when we hear other people share testimonies and these are just normal average everyday believers it begins to build your faith in a certain direction Mm -hmm. i know for myself years ago i would hear you know I, i would see all over scripture you know these these different accounts of raising the dead. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says, um, it tells us as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Mm -hmm. heal the sick. Nobody really blinks an eye too much about that. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out demons. It says to us, raise the dead. And also says in scripture, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? And, but, but, but the average believer never even thinks in that direction because you, you won't walk into a Sunday sermon in most mainstream congregations and ever, ever hear that talked about. Like, that's something that you could do. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember when I kept coming across scriptures like that, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know anybody who's raised the dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started looking into it a little bit more and I started running into people who had testimonies. And so I, I would get in touch with them and uh, I would put together how to raise the dead classes. And I would bring together panels of believers who had done that at least once, if not multiple times. And we would sit there and we would pick their brain. We would ask them question after question after question and just learn and, and hear from them. Were there people in the audience that were, not hostile, but like clear, didn't believe what you were saying. No, not really, because we're a school of supernatural ministry. So most of the time, people come to the classes because they legitimately yeah. want to learn how to do things. Have you have you ever had someone come that didn't believe? Yeah, we've had occasionally people that come to class that that don't believe in things. But, yeah, but not so much. You know, most of the time, the people that find their way to us, they come because they want to do some things. So John fourteen twelve says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. So when you when we're talking about miracles and you talked about raising um, people from the dead and do you do you, why do why would a good God let people do half miracles? Because I've heard that a lot, too. Like where people will get part part of their hand healed, but not fully. Mm-hmm. Why is is it is it strictly on faith? Is it why why would God do something halfway? And particularly in the Bible, when He was healing someone, He completely healed it. Right. I look at it this way: faith is like the currency of heaven. Um, like like for instance, sometimes when we're ministering to someone we'll see something happen, but maybe not the full expectation of what we're looking for. And I don't feel like, like that is in 
God's court. I don't feel like he's mm-hmm. restraining it. Um, like, for instance, uh, what am I trying to say here? Like, I don't feel like God holds back things. I don't feel like he makes people sick. I don't feel like he puts p- sicknesses on people. But if someone is ministering healing to a person, Jesus said, whosoever shall save this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and doesn't doubt but believes what he says, he'll have what he asks. So mm-hmm. so if we're in hope, that's not going to move the mountain. Yeah. If we're in zeal, that's not going to move the mountain. It, it feels just like faith. Mm-hmm. It looks like faith. It sounds like faith. It acts like faith, but it's not faith. So until we can flip that switch mm-hmm. and get over into genuine, authentic faith, mm-hmm. the mountain's going to, it's not going to move. So deep. Okay. Just, I just want to ask another question about that. So are you saying that they don't have enough faith to get their, full healing like does it take two people like the person healing and the person receiving the healing or because i've heard that have you heard that like how people will say i got part of it healed or i got a little bit of my sight but then a couple of days later it came back i don't ever put anything i don't ever put any expectation on the person that i'm ministering to i, I don't even let their faith or lack thereof be a consideration um, in any respect, mm-hmm. uh, the Bible says these signs shall follow those who believe. It doesn't say these shines, signs shall follow those being prayed for. So I don't put any expectation in their court. I, I keep it all in mind. And um, can you rephrase your question? Yeah, I was just saying, like, because sometimes people feel like, why would a good God let someone partially be healed? And then there's instances where people felt like they were healed, but then a couple of days later it came back. Okay. So, um, so God, you know, when Jesus, when Jesus ascended, yeah, he put things, he, he put us in charge of some stuff. Yes. You know, he put us in charge of basically what he had done while he was here. He said, you know, as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm hmm. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He was basically saying, do you do it? You know, mm-hmm. I'm here to back you up, but this is in your hands now. I'm putting you in charge. You're responsible for whatever happens or doesn't happen. You've got all the power. I've put it in you. I've made it available to you. Uh, I've given you every good and perfect gift. Um, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Yeah. So whatever you do or don't do, I'm going to move through you. So a lot of times when, when we um, minister healing to someone, like for instance, I, I hear a lot of times, and I've seen this as well, where you'll minister to healing, healing to someone, they'll receive their healing, and then maybe a day later, a week later, a month, year, whatever, uh, that illness will start to come back on them. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen in my own life. Um, and here's why I think that happens. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, uh, it says, and the enemy departed until a more opportune time. So a lot of times when we get set free from something, like I got set free from debilitating allergies. I used to have allergies so bad that I, I would go into these violent sneezing fits. I would sneeze like 30 times in a row violently. My nose would start to bleed. My, every day my eyes felt like I had crushed glass in them. Wow. And so then a friend of mine ministered to me 
and I got set free from these allergies. Mm -hmm. So a year later, I woke up one morning and my eyes were sort of itchy. And I knew that that was trying to come back on me. And the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So I, I feel like it's our responsibility to to resist anything that tries to come back on us. And we can do that through understanding our authority mm -hmm. and our identity. So when that started to come back on me, I began to resist it. I would speak out loud and I'd say, nope, we're not doing that. I'm not participating in that. I'm not going to be a partner with these allergies. I'm not going to let them rest on me. I'm not going to be a landing strip for them. Allergies, you have to go in the name of Jesus. And, um, and it was a process. It didn't just happen. It yeah. didn't just go away immediately. Yeah. But, but as I was persistent and consistent in resisting, it went away and it didn't come back. Yeah. And how do you, because people get sick, particularly the most evil is cancer, right? Yeah, my husband had cancer. And one of the things that when people get sick, the some of the most nasty things come out of people's mouths when they're sick and sometimes they become really nice and some beautiful things come out of being sick. But one of the things I hear a lot is people who get upset with God about why won't he intervene or heal or why does he choose to heal people, this person over that person? How do you handle that when you get asked that? I'm sure you've been asked that before, right? Like how do I guess it is a little unfair to be like, well, why do you think God, because you're, you're speaking bef on behalf of God, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you are a follower. How would you, how do you go about addressing that with people? Okay, so at the cross, four different things were paid for. You know, we, we talk about salvation and how mm -hmm. salvation was paid for. But the word sozo, it actually means save, healed, delivered and set free. Made, yeah. It means made whole in every way. Um, but the thing about that is that it's not automatic. You know, if we want to know the Lord, we come to know the Lord. We make the choice. We make the decision to, the, to know the Lord. Yeah. Like with healing, everybody thinks that, okay, God's trying to teach this person some valuable mm -hmm. lesson through this sickness, but that's that's not actually a legitimate kind of thing. God yeah. doesn't put sickness on people. We're living in a fallen world. Yeah. Um, so when someone becomes sick, it's not because God chose for them to be sick or made them sick. You know, God's not up in heaven making executive decisions to <laughs> make this one or that yeah. one sick when his son made the ultimate sacrifice to make them well. The Bible talks about how it's by his stripes yeah. that we were healed. So it's like a finished work. But we as believers, we're like the um, we're like the kingdom enforcers. We yeah. enforce something. So when we see sickness, we have to take that as an offense to the kingdom. We say, "Oh, wait a second, this person's sick. That that's not allowed yeah. on my watch." Mm -hmm. And and so we as believers, that's our opportunity to release kingdom authority here on earth to say to a sp specific situation, you know what? I'm not going to allow this. I'm going to step in. I'm going to intervene because you know, this is what God has called me to do as a believer, yeah. heal the sick. He said, whatever city you enter into heal the sick there. So a lot of that is determined on your faith and how you perceive 
that you should be active with healing or with miracles is determined by the process of just walking through the thing. And sometimes people, sometimes God doesn't heal. And I think people don't like that. You know, it's like telling a child no. And when they don't understand the reason of why it's not happening, I think we get a lot of negative responses, aggressive well, God's not real because he didn't do this for my mom. God's not real because he didn't heal my grandfather or et cetera, et cetera. And I think sometimes pastors and faith leaders can say things that dig more of an aggressive hole for people's relationship with Christ. And that's the thing that is interesting to me in coming up with a, you know, how we make sense of all this. And you just kind of got to live life and, you know, trust that the one orchestrating everything, there's a reason behind that. Let me, let me respond a little bit to that. So Jesus was our perfect example, right? Yeah. He trained his disciples and he gave them the, the job of training consecutive generations of disciples, right? Yeah. So at least five different times in scripture, you know, he would be ministering to multitudes of people. I don't know what a multitude consists of, whether yeah. that's hundreds yeah. or whether that's thousands, but at least five different times it tells us, and he healed them all. So the idea of God heals sometimes, but not always, you know, God is always willing to heal. It's always his will to heal. Um, a lot of times as believers, however, we're still on a journey. We're still um, sometimes moving effectively, sometimes moving ineffectively. But it's never because it's not God's will to heal. Yeah, but would you say that, like, sometimes it's no, right? I don't, I don't believe that sometimes it's no. I never saw Jesus say no. Yeah. So then if... Which I understand what you're saying. So if someone doesn't get healed, it's not fair for them to say. I always put that ball in my court. I dropped the ball. I was in zeal. I was in oh really something that looked like faith, but I wasn't flipping the switch so that was the, actually So the person professing faith. to heal, you say they deserve the blame for that, not God. I'll say I'll take responsibility for that. I'm not going to put that in anybody else's court than my own. Because I can tell when I'm wavering. Sometimes I'll be ministering, and, and I'll be thinking in my own mind, I'm not believing a word that I'm saying. Sometimes I have to, like, really step aside and get in my quiet time with the Lord and be like, you know what, I'm not in faith because mm -hmm. our faith can be really fragile yeah. because we make it all about ourselves. We make it about the me, me, me's of ministry, our faith, yeah. our ministry, our whatever. Jesus said, have faith in God. So would you agree with the statement then, like people's faith determine their healing? It's faith that moves the mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if the mountain moves, it's because faith moved it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a, a interesting point of view, and it's definitely something... I admire because I feel like most people wouldn't take responsibility 
I think they would say, what was your faith? You didn't believe. You know what I mean? The person who was asking for healing. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think in my mind, if the healing didn't happen, it's for a particular reason. Maybe the reason is you weren't meant to be healed from that. Or maybe God wanted you to experience that for whatever reason. And what if he heals you and something, now I'm going down a nefarious, like, what if, like, if he heals you and you do something that shifts an, um, a narrative a certain way. I don't know, kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with superheroes, but, <laughs> yeah, of course. but like, there's these alternate universes, alternate yous, and they're all experiencing different things. Like an alternate you in another universe may have black hair maybe latino maybe something else but it's still like you and that's just the way that it kind of is like to prevent the disruption of whatever the the creator is telling the story whatever he's doing he kind of keeps it on track with certain things i know that's in a nutshell that sounds insane because it's like well you're saying I need to be handicapped or whatever to keep this consistency going. It it doesn't seem fair. And it it is this is it's a tricky thing. I guess I guess my perspective is that, you know, the, the word even tells us it says all things work together for good to mm-hmm. those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So even the bad things that happen to us, maybe even the sicknesses, maybe even, yeah. you know, some awful thing that somebody did to us or said to us in some way, God will be able to work that out for good, yeah. to use it for some kind of purpose that's positive. Maybe, you know, the person that gets raped, she'll be the one that ministers to the next person who's gone through that. Her story will be somebody else's survival guide. This is how I made it through it. You know, a lot of times God will flip things and be able to take something horrible that happened and utilize it for a positive outcome. But that doesn't necessarily mean that God wanted that particular thing to happen to us. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I I don't think God wants anything bad to happen to people. And I do think a a good portion of it is on the people. But if he's God, he has to take responsibility for everything. Would you agree with that? Or Uh, I would say, as believers, a lot of things that happen... We're re- I, I believe that we're responsible for a lot of the, the bad things that happen because mm-hmm. he's he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. He's given us every good and perfect gift. Yeah. He's given us. There's no situation he's put in front of us that he hasn't given us the tools to address. Yeah. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. It's it's a it's an odd thing. When I was a kid, I used to think, well, if God just and the devil now we're good right <laughs> you know like in simple like you know kid thinking ways and then it's there's this thing of sin like how do we get rid of this and then jesus comes and he dies and then now we're in the phase where we're waiting for him to come back right according to scripture which can be you know it's a lot <laughs> like it's a lot and then by the meantime until he comes back people are supposed to share the gospel of him we're supposed to do greater works than him, which that Bible verse talks about. Would you consider greater works medicine, um, 
technology would you do you think jesus had that in mind when he said that or do you think he knew that deep into it yeah he's god i know but do you think he had the term greater works do you think he had that in mind or do you think it was more supernatural things that he was thinking of i think it was sort of all inclusive you know um like for example you know when 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 jesus was on earth he would go about, he would go, you know, ministering to different cities and places. They'd travel, they'd mm-hmm. go by foot. And, and, you know, like, for example, in my own life, I feel like one of the greater works that he's given me the opportunity to to walk out is I can go on Zoom and, you know, from, the, from my living room without even having to leave my house, I can uh, bring together a group of people mm-hmm. that are from, all different parts of the world and we can sit there and have a class together and at the end minister to each other and see people healed and see people set free and all these different things. And and I, I feel in, in some ways that's a greater work. And I think it's a Testament too for even attempting, Do you know what I mean? Like, and I know there's no trophies for going to the race, but I think there's something at least interesting about you even trying and I think people who are skeptical, because listen, I, I'm gonna be honest. Some t- I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm a disbeliever. Because I do think there are things you can't explain. I just haven't seen a lot of them, but I would never tell you. I may be skeptical, but I would never tell you like, "Hey, you're wrong," because then that one day, <laughs> if it happens. I would come back. I would come back, but I don't think most people would. But I don't think people have the guts to try. Yeah, absolutely. Fear pushes us into a corner in in regard to a lot of things. We're afraid of how other people are going to react. We're afraid of looking stupid. We're afraid of saying things and it doesn't work. We, We have a lot of fear. I think people would be afraid to talk to you. I would think people would be afraid to just acknowledge that they have questions but we we live in a world right now where they're normalizing so much why can't we talk about this why can't i have a conversation with you a founder of a ministry who's trying to help people deepen their faith and the one thing that i love is it's not how you get to jesus is that you get to him right and that's essentially why you do what you do because you want people to have this relationship with him and you want people to have an understanding about things that they don't understand. So that's why you create a class so that they could have that, right? Right. One of the things that, that that I hope to accomplish in the classes that we have is to give people a safe place to practice and mm-hmm. even mess up and make mistakes while yeah. going through the learning process. Yeah. I, so I see some notes you have. Like, is there some, some things you want to share or? Oh, these are just uh, like different things um, pertaining to healing, not healing, pertaining to dreams. But um, sometime before before the podcast is over, I've got that word that I want to give you. Yeah, I want you to share it. So if you want a good time, yeah, this is if there's something okay. you want to talk about now. Dang, you got a lot of pages. <laughs> oh no, I was. <laughs> you didn't know what we were going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't I, sure you where were, we were going to go. You were ready, so like, <laughs> I think this is a good time to talk about some things you got. Maybe something on your heart or. You want to talk about, so you said you had a, a word? Yeah, yeah, okay. so. Um, Your boy's nervous, so. <laughs> oh, 
Well, that's how I was last night. I was thinking about this. I was like, wow, you know, I haven't taught on dream interpretation for a really, really long time. I haven't spoken on it. It's not really even my strength. Yeah. So I was like, Lord, can you just show me something encouraging for Amante? Because, you know, I met him once, but I, re- I really don't know him. Yeah. But you know everything that there is to know yeah. about him. So so I was just sitting there and... um. I spent probably 30 minutes just sitting on the couch, spending some quiet time with God. And, and every so often, uh, something would come to mind and I would write it down. Oh, your boy is nervous. Oh. <laughs> no, it's all all positive. So I'm just going to read it. Thank you for knowing my name, too. Like, I have so many guests and they don't. I can tell they don't know my name. <laughs> oh, okay. But thank you for knowing. Like, oh, you're welcome. So, um, so here's what I wrote. I said, uh, I don't really know you very well. You know, I've never, I've never heard your podcast. So, um, so last night I asked God to show me some things. This is what I felt like I heard. One thing that was highlighted uh, was your sense of humor. Uh, I feel like you can actually be a little introverted in certain social situations, but it's a false part of your identity. Um, because Yo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna be quiet. Go ahead. I call that identity theft. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's not legit. It's not. It's not real. Um, let me read it again. One thing that was highlighted to me was your sense of humor. I feel like you can be a little introverted in certain social situations, but it's a false part of your identity. So that introversion that you feel sometimes, dang, it's identity <laughs> theft. And, and and so push through it. Whoa. So it's not legit. No, like, no, it's fake. I, it's I, always, I always thought that, that dang, listen, your boy, I'm going to t- <laughs> tell you, like, I, I always, because when I get in group settings, sometimes I get quiet. Mm-hmm. So I think, oh, maybe I'm more reflecting. But you saying that's not real. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. Um, all right. Let me back up. But it's a false part of your identity because the real you, the one that's funny, social, and actually likes attention and interaction <laughs> is always right there waiting in the wings for the perfect time to engage in the conversation. Um, Even though there's a side of you that's extra social, there's also a side of you that really likes and values your alone time. That is very true. That's very true. Um, You have no concept of the word bored. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's true. Okay. That's true. Because your mind is always seeking to engage in this, that, or the other. Even in your downtime, you still like to stay pretty busy with things, even if it's things that you're just tinkering around with. That that's wow. <laughs> that's that's very true. In fact, I thought something was wrong with me because I don't know how to rest. Like I, I don't either. Wow. Yeah, I don't know that word. What is that? Well, I can't sit. Like even like if I'm watching a movie, I want to work on something while I'm doing it. I'm the worst person in the world to watch movies. I have an attention span of a fly. It kills me to have to sit for two hours and watch a movie. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I also wrote, you're pretty good at sizing people up. In fact, you're really good at it. Uh, you take into account a lot of different nonverbal cues, Dang. such as body language, mannerism, mannerisms, uh, level, level of distraction. And it's almost like you're in their head listening to what they're Yo. thinking. <laughs> Yo, this is this, <laughs> you're reading you're reading my tea because okay. I, I felt like I was yeah I mean you kind of have to when you're talking to people but 
Wow. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. You generally know quite a bit about a person within a very short period of time. Uh, I don't know whether you have kids or even like kids, but kids like you. That is, that's true. Which we talked about before the show. I think today. Yeah. I think we talked about it on the show when I was, cause I've been a director and with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah we talked about as soon as I got here today. Yeah. 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 Not before I wrote this. Uh, let's see. I saw a man. Oh, this is good. Oh, I, <laughs> when you start, I saw a man. I got, whoo, whoo. Oh. <laughs> No, this is last night. This is actually the first thing that I saw, but I waited till till more toward the end to write this down. I saw a man putting an offer on the table involving money, and I'm not sure, but I think it may pertain to your podcast. I claim that. <laughs> yeah. Yo, a man offering me money? And this is like a futuristic part, but but yeah. I saw like an offer being put on the table, and it did involve finances. You're making me sweat. <laughs> Woo, man okay and there's a little bit more okay i'm gonna be quiet um, it goes in a you. different direction i okay. said i also feel like god wants you to make some decisions you've been pondering some things for a while you've been weighing some things but now's the time to act it's time to take some action steps because otherwise uh, the things are not going to bear fruit opportunities will become missed opportunities uh, i also feel like whatever this is it's going to require some paperwork um and I actually see you reminding yourself of the time. Uh, and I hear the words, time is of the essence. Yeah. So that's the word that I got for you. Wow. Yo, I'm like, so I'm going to describe to you guys how I feel. I'm, I'm in disbelief. But she's reading. So the time sensitive stuff is, I feel like I have so much that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And I've, my whole life, they've been telling me, they meaning professors, teachers, whoever, whoever gets the opportunity. They say, you got to focus on one thing at a time. But I got books in my heart. I got stories in my heart. I got the, the show. I got, excuse me, I got a lot of different things in my, my heart, but I get bogged down because it's like, when do I focus on it? Mm-hmm. When do I do it? When do I execute? So this was like phase one, like get the show going to get myself out there and then after that you know work on the stories i have i have a like a semi blueprint in my head mm-hmm. if these things work out i'm gonna release it but the biggest the biggest story is this book about my life and my experience through high school and how my mom fought for me to get a good education and i think that is I don't want to put so much weight on it, but I feel that's probably one of my biggest reasons why I'm still here on earth. Probably is to get that out. Okay. I feel like that, not that, not that my life is important. That's not what I'm saying, but what I went through, I feel like echoes for a lot of students Mm -hmm. and a lot of parents who don't know how to help their kids in similar positions as I was in. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the thing, you know, and I think I could see it being a movie one day. I could see it being, big enough for people to help their children. Mm-hmm. So, and the reason why I'm being so vague is just, I'm just not there yet. I'm not ready to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I've started, I've had opportunities to start it. And when you talk about papers, cause I like to write firsthand. Is that what it's called? Firsthand. When you, when you're writing on paper, 
I think they call it first handwriting. That I like paper. I don't like. No, this was something else. When I said paperwork, I feel like it'll be like. Let me go back to. Okay. That. Um, where did it go? But when it's uh, when I said about it being written on paper. Is it a contract? Yeah, more like some kind of document, like a legal document. Let me reread it. I also feel like I'd want you to make some decisions. You've been pondering some things for a while, weighing some things, but now's the time to act. It's time to take some action steps because otherwise uh, those things are not going to bear fruit. Opportunities will become missed opportunities, and I also feel like it'll be something that will require some paperwork. And the pa- by paperwork, uh, I don't know it, exactly what it is, but it'll be like a contract or some kind of thing that you have to put your signature on there. Like, I don't know if it's a loan or I don't know what it is, but whatever this is, it's going to require some paperwork. Did you see the man's face? <laughs> I, I feel like it's a white guy. That's the best wow. I can tell you. Wow. That's ins- I mean, whew, that's still like, do you get this reaction from people when you tell them? What you heard, like, like what I'm giving you, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like sweating. <laughs> I think, but you know, the really awesome part is anybody can learn to hear from the Lord with greater clarity and accuracy. Just like you and I were talking about before the show, mm-hmm. the Bible specifically says his sheep hear his voice. That's basically all I'm doing here is hearing his voice and then reiterating what I felt that I heard. Those are, but I'm going to tell you something like that's very specific. And it's, I've, I'm telling you it's accurate. We don't talk, right? We don't, no. like, so I, I feel like people who hear this are probably going to think, you have, the thing she's talking about is not on my IG. It's not, those things are not out in the open to find. And you probably met me one time at the dinner table where, for a mutual friend's birthday. And that is spot on. I do wonder, like, am I being too quiet? Or, you know, I do wonder about that aspect of my personality. And I've I've actually questioned it myself. Like, is that a little bit of an imposter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that's know? a false identity. That's <laughs> identity theft. <laughs> what do I do with that? Do I just, like... The opposite of whatever it's telling you. Wow. So, okay. Wow. So... For the, the the gentleman with this contract, we definitely if it's good, we claim it. <laughs> like we, I need that. No, it was good. It was something positive. Cause I, that's that's crazy. Did I look? Was it? Could you see me? Or was it just like this is how it came to you? Here's what I saw. I saw a person. I didn't really see like all their features clearly, but I saw them putting money on the table. Wow. Yeah. How did okay? Let me ask you this. I want to get you out of here. You've been you've been awesome. I don't want to keep you anymore. But how can you give an actionable step for someone to who wants to hear from God more? Like, what can they? What is something they can do to put them in position to hear? Uh, one of the biggest things is to learn to live a quiet life. Like, like for me, when I get in the car, I don't get in the car like most people. I get in the car and I turn off the radio. When I go in the house, I turn off the television. Uh, I spend a lot of time sitting out in my backyard in in silence, just learning how to be quiet enough to... Um, to not be thinking about the the things that other people think about. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about the show that I just watched. I'm not thinking about uh, most 
the normal things that mm-hmm. people think about. I, I've learned to live quietly enough to hear God. And, and another big thing is that, and this is huge. This is small, but it's huge. Um, one of the ways that God speaks is like right now in your thoughts, I want you to see a color. What color did you just see quickly? But purple. All right. So that's the screen of your mind. It was yellow. It was yellow. I'm sorry. Okay. But I went to purple for some reason. Okay. That's the screen of your mind. We daydream there all day long. We see, we see, we replay things that happen to us. We see them in our thoughts. Uh, We think about memories that Mm -hmm. happen. And that's one of the places that God speaks to us. Like, Last night when I sat down on my couch and I asked God to show me some things for you, uh, that's where I went. I went to that screen and I started to see. Did he tell you about my wife? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Not to say that you're not going to get married. But I I don't. I'm joking. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I typically like leave it like a blank. A blank Canvas. screen. I'm like, yeah. whatever you want to show me, whatever you want to tell me, that that's what I want to hear. And I'll wow. start to see pictures, and I'll start to see movies that play on that screen. And you just saw on the same screen that I look at. You just saw on the same screen. So you'll see these pictures. You'll see movies start to play. And then thoughts will start to come to you about what it means. Because some of it's symbolic. Like when I saw that, that hand putting money on the table, mm-hmm. I knew that that was a deal. Did I sign it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like it was a positive thing, so Mm -hmm. I'm assuming so. It was good. Yeah. But again, Mm -hmm. that would be an invitation into a conversation between you and God. Yeah, that's that's good. I appreciate that. All right, so let's, do you have, do you have, let me ask you this. One more question. Is there anything during this time period you felt like God was saying to you to share? Um. No, specifically, I just felt like I was supposed to get that word in there for you today. Okay. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, so how about this? Would you mind closing in prayer? Sure. Sure. And then, like I said, this is, this is far left. I've never brought someone on like yourself. I'm happy that you came to join, but uh, I, I would definitely love for you to pray. Yeah, absolutely. So Father, I just pray that this podcast will hit the right ears. And even for those who have questions, I pray that you will help them to circle back around and revisit some of the things that were said today, whatever it was that was specifically for them. And uh, I pray that this will also result in some divine connections, that those who want to go further with it will seek this out. And, uh, and if there's anybody who has doubts or are just completely in disbelief, I pray that you yourself will speak to them. Uh, in a way that will make sense for them. And uh, I just speak over Amante and his podcast, that it will continue to thrive, that um, it will get more of a response, more people will begin to hear about it. And I also pray that you will just bring the right guests to him, people that are specifically going to speak about topics that uh, are going to be engaging to his particular audience. And so I just release that over him in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, thank you, Cheryl. Where can people find you? Where do you want people to engage with you? Okay. The best way, well, we've got a website, insideouttrainingandequippingschool.org. That mm-hmm. will give you all the information that you need about us. We've got a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, just ch- 
search the words Inside Out Training and Equipping School. Uh, But the best way to actually engage is to go to our Facebook group. We've got a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Don't pay any attention to our page. We don't do anything on there. But our Facebook group, (laughs) the one that you have to request to join, and we we accept those the same day, uh, when you... um, when you become a member of our Facebook group, then you just go to the events tab. You'll see a list of all the classes that we have on the lineup. You can sign up for them there, and we'll send you a reminder on the day of class with uh, connection information. That's awesome. Again, thank you so much for joining. And as always, this has been another episode of the True Tone Podcast. Was there truth to this conversation, or was it just noise? I'll let you guys decide. Love you guys. Thanks for sticking along. Do, 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 do,